You're locked into another episode of Open Dialogue, the podcast for collaborative SEOs and digital marketers. In this episode, I spoke with Grant Simmons, who is Vice President of Performance and Search Marketing at Homes.com. Over the course of our conversation, we spoke about Grant's wide and varied experiences of working in-house and agency side, as well as delving into his website of profound quotes. But let's not waste any time. Let's dive straight into this, another episode of Open Dialogue with Grant Simmons. Okay, welcome to the show, Grant Simmons. Woo! Hi there, Sam. Yes. <laughs> you get, you get a whoop. Screams and fireworks. <laughs> How how are you doing? Are you calling in from Virginia? I am. Lovely uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Bef- home of NATO in the US. Oh well, okay. Before before we start, can we can we clear up your your accent? That uh, that sounds a bit horribly personal, but where whereabouts exactly are you from, Grant? Well So I am a proud American with a funny accent, uh born and bred in Walthamstow, uh, brought up in Essex, went to school in Chigwell, and left England pretty much full-time in my early 20s, and been pretty much around the world and in uh, America ever since. Wow, that's cool. I, I've i seen um, I've seen you about on uh, various conferences. I saw you at Brighton SEO, I think it was last year you were speaking. You had a, a Batman-themed conference um, talk. I remember really enjoying that. That was um, that, there was loads of useful stuff about featured snippets in there. It's really practical and hands-on. Yeah. Um, Thank um, you, Sam. Are you, are you planning would... on coming back anytime soon? Um, well, to England or to Brighton SEO? Oh, both. Yeah, to the UK. Uh, well, when, when and where are you speaking? Um, in the UK, uh, nowhere in the distant future i think i might be back at brian seo it was an absolutely brilliant conference kevin does a fantastic job i think it's the best organized uh, speaker kind of enclave and everything else that I've, I've been at any conference mm-hmm. um it's just tough to get back sometimes um i do go over quite often to see my folks who live on the east coast in leon c hi mum and dad <laughs> yes i don't work for google um and so I get back three or four times a year just to see them and see my brother, who's the Lord Mayor of Oxford. Um, <laughs> hi, Craig. Is, and is that is that true or is that just the nickname that you give him? 100% true. Really? Right. Has he got... Because mayors in England, don't they have like some really elaborate chain or like um, some sort of necklace? He has both so you... a chain and a mace. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, the mace is the size of my head. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised he has a mace carrier. So they, there's a, he's actually the first green mayor of Oxford. He he drives around in an electric uh, mini, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a smart guy. Right. So what does he does he wear all this to like Christmas dinner and stuff? Like what what's that like? <laughs> what well, he tries to, but mum makes him take off the big red cloak when he gets in. But no, <laughs> uh, not. No, not really. Like I said, he actually has a T-shirt that has a imprint of the chain, so he doesn't have to wear it all the time. Okay. Well, I, I wouldn't have expected that. That's <laughs> um, quite a pedigree. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. Um, but I'm I was really interested to speak to you first off because I kind of see you kind of by your Twitter persona as the you're you're like the cool uncle of SEO. That that's how I see you, and I I don't know how you're going to take that, but I I see you as like um not not the creepy kind of uncle that you kind of avoid at family get-togethers, but like cool cool kind of uncle type. He's got like a kind of anarchic side to to him. Is that is that a something a character type that you'd kind of see yourself as? <clears throat> Well, I, I'm not easily offended, Sam, so thank you. I'm not that uncle, yes. <laughs> um, I, I do like to think of myself a little bit as the old man of SEO, not not because I'm the oldest. Uh, I'm not the youngest by a long shot, um, and, and certainly not the funniest because there's a lot of guys a lot more funner than I am. But I, I do like to think I have a slightly different perspective based on a marketing background, and that experience has, has given me I think a little bit more of a worldview of SEO in the, in the overall uh, jigsaw of marketing. 
I think that's one thing. And then, yeah, I'm sarcastic um, a little bit. That's because uh, English people are generally sarcastic, as you know. Um, Americans are not, as you perhaps know. And so I, I laugh every day at being sarcastic in and around Americans because they don't get it, and uh, I do. So, yeah, it's a little bit narcissistic uh, that I laugh for myself and make jokes for myself. But um, thank you for recognizing that, by the way. That's okay. That's, that's what yeah. I, I try and do. I try and share how, how I see the, the kind of the colourful personalities of the, the SEO and landscape. So you but stalk people for a living. It's I do, yeah. Know. yeah. It's, yes. it's quite fun. And speaking of stalking, I've been doing my research on you today and I've been, I've been kind of scouring through your LinkedIn profile. And whereas most people only have a few of their previous jobs on their LinkedIn profile, yours goes way back. Now, I don't know whether you have everything in there, but um, I think I found one of your first jobs in there and it was as a computer operator. Can can you please tell us what a computer operator does and what, what that job involved for you? So did we talk about sarcasm here? It's actually uh, someone that operates a computer. <laughs> oh, there's the police coming for me as well outside. <laughs> um, I'm 15 stories up and I still can hear the police. Oh, wow. Um, all right. So uh, I actually... One of my first jobs out of school, um, I really liked computers. So during the summer, there was a a store that opened up, and this has to be in the late 70s, a store opened up called uh, the Bite Shop. And it was around for a while in London. And so I used to go down there during the summer and hang out there and sit at a Commodore Pet, which was a personal electronic transactor, they called it. I think it had like two megs of RAM or something silly. Not even that probably. 200 kilobytes of RAM. It was silly. And we used to just play. And then they also had a North Star system that allowed you to do some kind of programming. So I did some programming on that. Just taught myself a little bit. And on the Commodore, using Commodore Basic, taught myself doing fun little games, you know, moving a block around the screen, those kind of stuff that was kind of fun. Um and so then I decided I wanted to be a computer guy. So uh, the first job I, I went for and was offered was working as a computer operator, which was essentially a mainframe uh, deck PDP-11 with all these workstations coming off it for um, exploration services. So they were essentially um, taking data that they got from oil exploration and crunching it and giving it to geologists. So I played with that. It was in London, uh, eight-hour shifts, night shift, I used to just program things that oh, were nothing to do with work. Hopefully, they're not still around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I realized how much I, I learned on their, on their dime. Um, essentially, you know, learned uh, Fortran, uh, some other compiler languages, and just played around with that. That was, that was kind of fun. I ended up improving their programs. Um, helping them out a little bit. So I guess they did get their money's worth and uh, then decided to quit and go sailing. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, say, sailing, you say? What? How did that come yes. about? What? You just decided, sod it all, I'm going to go and be a sailing instructor. If uh, That's yes. what I'm seeing on your LinkedIn profile right now. Yeah, I was just yeah. <laughs> you are stalking me. That's good. Oh, yeah. It's well, good well, SEO stuff. It's great background. <laughs> um, no, you know, uh, I was teaching sailing for Essex County Council growing up for when I was like 12 years old, and I just figured I'd go do that for the summer. And so that was it, really. I, I gave up and didn't touch a computer for years. Oh, okay. And so how, probably skipping forward a bit, how did you find yourself in SEO and like how, how did you come to, um, to get involved with that? Good story, actually. Well, I moved back to or moved to Los Angeles after working for Club Med, uh, where I learned French, Mathieu. Um, and uh, essentially, sorry, just saying hi to the audio engineer. Yeah, um, Matthew does a great job here. He's, he's one of the underappreciated uh, parts of this show, definitely. So, <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, so, yeah, essentially, I went, I went to LA and a friend of mine got me a job in an agency. Uh, we sat, I sat at the front desk, and uh, we had Pizza Box Macs, and this is the first time I touched a Mac, 
in 20-something 20 some, 20 years. Right. And I just started uh, programming, you know, um, again, not, not so much on Macs, but just, uh, you know, playing around with FileMaker. At that mm -hmm. point, it had a little uh, script language. Playing with that, automated the office a little bit, uh, played around with something called QuickMail, uh, did some of this other using Apple Script, and just got back into it. Um, one of our customers was the city of Santa Monica. They wanted to build a, a website uh, and show up in search engines. Um, and I thought, hey, that sounds like fun. That was the very early 90s. I already had built out websites. I was the only person in the agency that knew how to do any kind of coding. And so making it show up was kind of fun, just j jumping into some of the, uh, you know, the early uh, it was search engine news or stuff like that, but just really going around um, the different groups, um, you know, and just really trying to find out how people are getting things to rank. And in the early days, it was so easy um, that it was kind of fun. All right. Okay. And how how did so your positions more recently have been um, kind of more senior marketing positions? So at the moment, you're working as VP of performance and search marketing at homes.com. Um, and before that, you were a digital strategist. Like, how how has that transition come about, and how um, how have you found it compared to uh, to being a, a programmer and kind of being more more technical? Is that has that been a big shift for you over the years? I don't think I was ever technical. That's the funny thing. I really? thought it was logic, right? And that was that was the difference. Um, you know, I, I didn't really love programming. I like to build things. So, I mean, the agency in Los Angeles, um, this is the, it's called, thank God it's Friday, TGIF Productions. Mm -hmm. We were more of a marketing, traditional marketing agency. You know, Santa Monica, the city of Santa Monica, once we got them to show up, number one for Santa Monica Hotel, Santa Monica, uh, you know, accommodations and things like that, um, the, the company actually went virtual. So I started my own agency with the city of Santa Monica. Leveraged that out to uh, the city of San Mateo, um, the city of West Hollywood. So I had a little niche there. Then I built out some other some other stuff that was kind of cool with some other folks. About 50% of my business was web-based and about 40% of that was SEO. So that was my own agency for mm -hmm. six and something years. Um, stopped that, went off to work for some family business. Uh, then then uh, came back to a large search agency in Los Angeles where – I went from you know managing the account team to uh, basically managing some of the strategy around SEO and social. So it really came, I think most of my life uh, led up to the search agency, which was the agency mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, um, where I really came into my druthers with, I think, the one of the smartest and best SEO teams uh, that was ever put together. Really? Okay. Why, why do you think that was? I just think we could solve problems, um, and, and that's always always the case. And SEO isn't about necessarily the nuts and bolts. That's a given. It's really about solving business challenges, and I think that's what we were really great at doing, whether it was, um, and I'll mention a few names, you know, Eric Freeman, mm -hmm. who was doing the uh, promotions and link building, and this was early days working with Conductor when they were a link building company. Uh, you know, morphing away from buying links to actually earning links. And this was, you know, 2000s. It wasn't something that was generally thought of at that time. Um, to um, Dave Waterman, who was doing some brilliant content at scale, mm -hmm. uh, you know, building out uh, 60,000 different descriptions for automotive years, makes and models, right, and right. finding ways to programmatically do some of that for large businesses. Um, like Yell, uh, if you remember Yell, Yell.com. Yeah, yeah. We work with those guys. And then, um, oof, I'm, I'm going to miss a few people, but uh, Mark Fillmore, who's one of the best technical SEOs that I know, just able to dig in and, and solve massive problems. Um, you know, I mean, overall, as the team really came together and we had some big clients like Sam's Club, no, no, no relation. I think um, Fox, Fox Sports, um, Red Bull, some other guys that we were really working on the cutting edge of what was possible and helping these folks show up in search. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd really vouch for that. Like having a great team around you makes it makes such a difference. How so? How exactly did you uh, wind up being in your current job then? How? I think I think there's a. a a half life of agency life, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, law of diminishing returns. After a few years, you, you're kind of either not, not so much bored, but you, you want to look for other things, maybe outside the agency. Uh, and it can be another agency, it can be a brand. And uh, the opportunity came to workerhomes.com. Um, it was a move from the west coast of the US to the east coast of the US. It's like moving from Land's End to John O'Groats times 10. <laughs> right. um, and uh, I decided it was worth a go. Um, and it was actually uh, an interesting job interview. Um, the homes.com in 2014 had some challenges, having been hit by an algorithm was mm-hmm. the thought. Um, my job interview was really looking at the site and telling them how I would fix it, um, working with some other agencies that were already on board and really collaborating before I was hired on whether their overall strategy was good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, luckily enough, uh, my thought of what was wrong uh, aligned with what Google thought was wrong. And a few months after my hire, thanks to some of the work that was already underway and, and the focus that I was able to bring, uh, we got out of a uh, algorithmic penalty, which was Panda at the time. Right. So, yeah, it was kind of fun. Okay, cool. Um, what does what does the the setup at homes.com look like like what kind of different teams are you working with um like how how big is the the company as a whole i'd be interested to, sure. to know about that Co- company i'm probably going to get this wrong actually it's five to six hundred people um oh, wow. it might it might be more right. <laughs> um but for people that are in the uk like right move is an equivalent in the uk mm-hmm. so we're a, a homes listing uh, portal um, we have some massive competitors in the States, um, companies that, that rhyme with Pillow, uh, Pilter, Pedfin, and uh, uh, some uh, Puglia. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of our competitors. Um, and we're a small company in Norfolk, Virginia, you know, far away from Silicon Valley and Seattle Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done really well. Uh, we're probably the oldest company that's uh, been out there. We have a great domain, obviously, which is yeah. good and bad um, from a what do, you, what do you do standpoint where homes.com, yeah, what do you do? So that sometimes has to be explained a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, we have a large development and product team that uh, primarily drive a lot of the SEO because they're really focused on on the user experience, which is obviously a large part of SEO, and actually prioritization of tasks and um, you know, projects. Um, I work with them uh, kind of on a consulting basis. I work with uh, paid search um, is under my purview. Uh, anything about lead uh, generation, offside of homes, uh, as well as um, looking at how we can best optimize uh, traffic flow into homes from either third parties, including Google, and some some other third parties that we work with. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we also work closely with the brand team. Our brand team is separate here. They're responsible for the social. Um, I help them out as far as some of the uh, the paid social initiatives, uh, certainly around some of the strategy. We're, we're a a close-knit team mm-hmm. um, because we're not a massive company. So we're all pretty much on the same floor uh, in a 15-story building our parent company owns. Right, okay. Um, with so many different departments going on, are there any particular ways that you kind of help this being a help this to be a well-oiled machine? Are, are there any particular things that, that you do? Well, I think, I think the first thing is proximity. I mentioned that we're all on the same floor. It's really easy. You know, we talk about email and we talk about, you know, uh, Slack or other, other messaging tools. There is nothing better than being able to get up and walk over to my counterpart and say, hey, you know, what's up with this? What's happening now? Or for them to come into my office and say, you know, we've got this idea. What do you think? I think that's really a, a key thing, proximity. And that's not knocking remote workers because we have those guys as well. Mm-hmm. But, Face-to-face stuff, nothing nothing beats that. And, uh, you know, as a company, 
we have a, a few companies under the same umbrella. Um, and so once a year, uh, we've had a uh, online marketing summit that pulls everyone together, where everyone shares knowledge about what's worked, what hasn't. And I think, you know, we, we've got 18 companies. We had 18 companies. We keep, we keep selling them every now and then, but we had 18 companies. Um, I think it's really important to get in there and, and knowledge share. Yeah. So, you know, yes, we have Slack. Um, yes, we use Skype and um, Google tools and, and we share stuff a lot from a document standpoint. But I think having the ability to uh, have a conversation face-to-face and even have a conversation over Skype or over the Google Hangouts is really key uh, to, to our communications, uh, best communications, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I particularly like um, Slack as well. Slack's, I, as, as long as it's used well, like there are, I think as long as you lay down the ground rules of like how people use it, because that's, because you can kind of get the same sort of issues that you get from um, like email or um, even face to face. You have to, I don't know, you have to have to specify like how often people use it and in, in what scenarios, I think. But overall, I, I think, think it's I a, think, a Yeah, I think the key thing there is you have a random room where anyone can have fun and yeah. then you get down to business in the distinct rooms that make sense to a specific project or specific department or specific you know, highlight or announcements. And in that case, the organization of Slack that makes mm-hmm. it more valuable. That's when it's a free-for-all, it's kind of a bit, a bit of a, uh, I was going to say, I was going to use a word that I shouldn't use, but <laughs> a, a shit fest. <laughs> thank, thank you for keeping your for your, your curse words um, muted. That, thank that's, you. Um, we really appreciate it. You're that. welcome. <laughs> um, I could say it's a mouth fest, by the way. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I'd be really keen to hear, so you mentioned about um, a penalty that you managed to overcome. Um, is that maybe a success story that you could take us through or maybe there's another time at homes.com or maybe another kind of success story that, that's happened over the course of your uh, career where uh, teams have kind of worked together, particularly with SEOs at, at the centre of that? Have you got anything like that sure. that you can share with us? Well, I think the, the homes.com example is just a, a key point of focus. You know, the team, the teams that were here before me had, had done a lot of the groundwork, but sometimes uh, focus and a hatchet is best. I mean, the first mm-hmm. first month I was here, you know, we, we got rid of 4 million pages out of the index. Um, we got rid of uh, almost 300 million internal links. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really about focus because the, the overall – vision was fine i just think sometimes you need to be able to make decisions quickly and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know when there's panic uh, when when a, a large company has been hit i think there's some panic now the counter to that mm-hmm. is large companies that don't do much yeah and i yeah. think that there is a really good balance of, of good bad and, and indifference that you can hit now I'll, I'll give you a really good example of a company that would move fast. So back at, in my agency days, there's a company called internships.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that they were great young young kids running around. I say young, probably in their mid to upper 30s. You know, mm-hmm. uh, The SEO guys were really excitable, excited. So came in there with a strategy of, and this sounds really obvious, but that, that that's what I'm saying about logic, bringing logic to play. Mm-hmm. I said, well, look, Right now, you have a great setup around uh, different categories, different job categories. I said, what about doing it by different employers? Mm-hmm. And what about doing it um, by different locations? So, you know, you don't have to dig down into just a particular category and then filter. You actually have something available on the homepage with filter. It sounds obvious, mm-hmm. but this is, you know, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so they made the change and they saw, uh, uh, I'm going to say, 100% increase. They, they were doing other things as well, mm-hmm. um, like get Charlie Sheen to be an intern. That that created uh, 100 million, not 100 million, that's an exaggeration, about a million visits in a day brought down their servers. Um, but, but the, you know, that kind of logic, bringing logic, and then they turned around and, and within like two weeks it was done. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff really means that an SEO can show success because there's nothing worse than giving a brilliant strategy, uh, you know, giving the tactic, the tactics that you need to do, and then you come back a year later 
and nothing's been done. And, and that was actually a scenario we had in the agency where we gave, um, oh, this was a probably a two million page site, a, a big box store as we call it here. Um, we gave them a complete restructure, re-architecture strategy. Uh, we, we mapped all the links that were coming in and gave them that, that link redirect plan. Um, we gave them a content strategy with examples. It took us, you know, three or four months to build out and presented it to them. And 18 months later, there was still nothing done on the site. Really? Oh. So that, those are the good, bad and ugly kind of examples. But, you know, there, there's been a lot. I don't mm -hmm. know if that's that's enough to yeah. um, quash. Just, just going back to the, the homes.com one. So you mentioned that you got rid of, what was it, 4 million pages and a load of pages, yeah. a load of internal links as well. Like, would you mind talking about like the process for how how that happened? Like, did were you the one to suggest that or part of the team that suggested that? And like it, it was in process, mm -hmm. but not to the same degree. So once once you recognize that panda was a play mm -hmm. and and it really was quite obvious you know there was a panda update they saw a hit it was a few years before 2013 i think 2012 2013 there, there was an update and, and it's obvious there was a slow decline after that so once you realize it's panda then you start to dig in and say uh, which pages have high or low value mm -hmm. and we had a lot of pages that were were there not just for search engines but just programmatically you know if every single location has nine different property types and every page exists whether they have listings or not that's a lot of fluff yeah you know so yeah it was really just looking at what once you understand what the problem is then understanding what pages might be the problem and then being able to programmatic get rid of them mm -hmm. so you know as, as you you're aware you know the old panda was much easier than the new panda but it's still mm -hmm. the same concepts you want to want pages to have value and you want to you want to make sure that uh, it satisfies a specific query in a way that is more complete than another page. Mm -hmm. So if you have a page that has three listings on, in the case of homes.com, that might not be a great experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can augment that with other content to build it out, it's worthwhile keeping. But there's some pages, some locations that will never have a, have a great opportunity. If you're looking for a piece of land in Malibu, mm -hmm. uh, California, under you know $500,000, you ain't going to find it. Mm. Well, if it is, it's a postage stamp. So you don't really need a page for that kind of price level and that kind of uh, property type in that location. So once you realize what you can block and what you don't have to, it's it's much easier. Yeah. In, term, um, in terms of actually explaining that internally, was that quite easy to do? Did you have like um, the full kind of authority to uh, just kind of identify and then action action on that? I think there's always a lot of pushback from, from folks when, when you come into a company, and no matter what company, it's just whether mm -hmm. it's homes.com or, or uh, other companies, <laughs> uh, if you come in, they've been working on stuff. So I think you've got to identify or recognize the fact they've been working on the right things and just maybe they haven't been given as much authority as the new person coming in. Mm -hmm. And I was born in to fix it. So I had yeah. a lot of uh, honeymoon period to do a lot of stuff that might be considered um, detrimental to sites if they're doing brilliantly but mm -hmm. if you're going going up against a site that you know has a challenge and you can prove it has a challenge or show demonstrate that it aligns with an algorithm update or something yeah. um, you have a lot more um, you know uh, equity to kind of push stuff through mm -hmm. now there was always going to be pushback but it, it was actually quite easy um, showing pages to uh, internal stakeholders and saying, do you think this is a valuable page? Mm -hmm. And them saying no, say, well, search engines won't either. I think that was really, really easy. Yeah. Uh, like I say, applying logic to stuff is not often the easiest thing to do. And I've found that throughout the career, it, you don't have to convince people that you're right. You just have to convince them that they're right. Mm -hmm. And and I think if you make it simple enough, people will agree because uh, SEO a lot of times is common sense and I think you can definitely make people see why something might or might not be good because mm -hmm. I, I suppose it could seem counterintuitive to to get rid of four million pages on a site but then if you're explaining it in the right way and kind of um, showing the 
exactly what that looks like in terms of quality and what you're you're planning to get rid of then uh, yeah i suppose that makes a lot more sense well i think the counter to this is i've worked with some companies that have used tools like your amigo i don't know if you're familiar with that no i'm not it's essentially a it's tool that takes SKUs, um, takes just product descriptions, and then builds out category pages, subcategory pages around the attributes of different products. Mm-hmm. So we had one client in the agency that had about 800 to 1,000 SKUs and had about 60,000 pages of mm-hmm. products. Now, you know <laughs> intuitively that, that you're slicing and dicing a carrot there, and you end up with such a thin slice you can't see the carrot. So that was the challenge where we, we basically turned off that that functionality and that feature because it was creating thin pages that were horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a balance there. There are pages that deserve to exist and there's others that don't. But sometimes you have to be uh, a little bit hard on customers and clients mm-hmm. um, because it's really important that they understand that the passion is backed by a purpose and the purpose is in their best interest mm-hmm. okay um i'd like to move on now and talk about um something that came up in it's come up in a couple of episodes before where i've been speaking to people and they they've spoken about um when you're working agency side the need to to pick the right sort of clients and people who um you where you're kind of on the same page is that something that you've got experience of working with your like extensive experience working agency side of so actually my pubcon uh, my pubcon presentation was around agency and around the seven deadly agency sins or as i did the seven deadly agency simpsons because <laughs> i do like the simpsons there's always a great theme with your talk so i love it <laughs> i do enjoy it you know I, hopefully my audience is engaged and entertained and educated but i think i like to be entertained as well yep. it's always good to have an audience that's cool so anyway um so from that standpoint i think it's really important to have a good fit with your agency or a good fit with your client and by that, there's got to be mutual respect. I, I said this as one of the sins there. Mm-hmm. A disregard for the expertise of your client is one of the biggest sins that you can uh, you know, basically do. Mm-hmm. Because the client, your client, is smart enough to hire you. So give them a little bit more credit. that They're smart enough to know their business well. And they're smart enough to understand if they're if they explained something well. And like we said before, if it's logical and you give them examples, then then they can get it because they're mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. I think most large agencies, some small agencies, but generally large larger agencies, larger organisations, tend to look down on clients as being just not so much of a money pit, mm-hmm. but really looking at them as yeah, it's great. Let's let's just keep billing them and just keep delivering stuff. Yeah. No, that's not what it's about. It's about respecting the customer, understanding the customer is the guy paying you, and without them, you're nothing. And mm-hmm. then acting accordingly, show value. I, I remember having a conversation at one of the agencies I worked at, uh, and I stood up in a room. I said, "What well, is that decision best for the client?" Mm-hmm. And there, there were there were crickets. <laughs> it was like, "What? What do you mean?" Go, well, I don't think that's best for the client. And in the end, we, we did uh, what was better for the client. Mm-hmm. I think that's missing in large large agencies. They're often looking at the bottom line. The chief revenue officer might be driving the uh, the, the tactics and strategy for the agency when it should be uh, the, the account managers driving it. Mm-hmm. So what would be the, the alternative to, to doing what's best for the client, just kind of maximizing the billable hours? And it's like yes. just getting as much yeah. as you can from them. I think it's milking them without mm. any regard for the results. Right. Um, you know, if, well, I'll, I'll throw something at you, Sam, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. It's when when the attendee becomes the presenter. Ooh, hey, like hi, it. Sam. <laughs> I've been digging into your LinkedIn. No. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> how long should an SEO engagement be? How long should an SEO engagement be? 
Yeah. So what do you mean? You're from, an agency. How long should you have how long, a client? How long for? should you have a client for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, ideally, I'd, I'd say like it should be an ongoing relationship. Ideally, right? Like, well, I, I think you just asked me back a question. Let me let me answer this in a, a nebulous but exact way. Okay. Until you can no longer provide value to them. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, it, it does sound obvious. Like mm-hmm. I said, you can call me Captain Obvious, but mm-hmm. the, the fact is a lot of SEO agencies hang on to clients because they, they think longevity equals value. Right. But I would say that value equals value. And, you know, if you come into a company, you can restructure the site if it needs it. You can give them content opportunities if, if they need it. You can help them with, you know, link building promotion, um, link earning, whatever you want to call that, if they need it. At some point, they have to implement it, and then you could you can theoretically start again, or you can sit back and pull back on the services you give them. Maybe it's you're looking at you know building out new content areas potentially. Maybe you're looking at doing ongoing content marketing potentially. But mm-hmm. really, you're not at the same level you were when you started because you've done a lot. So what's next? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes agencies don't know when to pull back. During implementation, for example, maybe just go to a consulting role where you're just there, you know, helping them out a little bit. But the, the, the numbers shouldn't stay the same. And I think that's a big challenge that the chief revenue officers or uh, small businesses think. And, and I, I've known from experience, if you're honest with a customer, you charge them what's fair, they'll, they'll stick mm-hmm. with you a lot longer. Right. But it, so, you've got so to if, you, if you had to do that, we've kind of proactively said, all right. Our work here is done. Is that is that something we well, just kind I'll of work, like I'll, left no, it my, my, uh, Well, that's good. That sounded almost like uh, it's not you, it's me. No, um, <laughs> no, it's not our work here is done. It's, hey, we've delivered everything that you need mm-hmm. to succeed. How much time do you need to implement it? What support do you need from us during the implementation? That's that's more of that conversation you should be having. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if the customer says, you know, look, we're, we're going to need a few months to do this and, and maybe you can just check in once a week. Okay, great. That's gone from a 5K a month to a, a 250 bucks a month, whatever. It, I think that that's the, the honest conversation you should have with the customer. Once you've, you've done what you think you can do for them, provide that value for them to build on and, and then not, not worry about, Billing more time, they will come back if if you've done a good job. They will come back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which of the the seven sins is this one then? Is this like lechery it's, or uh, no? Uh, yeah. And and I wish I could remember which one it was. <laughs> it was it was actually I think it was uh, uh, not gluttony. It might it might be gluttony. Yeah, um, it sense. was the consume consume what you need. No, I don't think it was that. I, I'll have to look that up now. That's mm-hmm. funny. I can't remember. I do get onto the next presentation quickly. Um, so, no, it, it was something that I gave an example. I actually went into a company called Sun America, which is a very large, very large corporation, mm-hmm. um, multi, well, billion dollars, really. And uh, I was a small little agency. They found me on the web, funny enough, <laughs> uh, which was great. And they called me in for a, a day consulting. And I, I said, okay, it's going to be um, you know, 5K for the day. We're going to go and we're going to talk about new product strategy and what we can do from a search standpoint, what we can do from a marketing standpoint. And we, we basically finished by lunchtime. Um, I'm serious. We, we had basically buttoned down a strategy that was, I thought, freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the media that we were going to get, put against it and everything else. So I said, all right, well, I'm only going to charge you half. And they were like stunned. <laughs> they go, what, what, what do you mean? Go well. Okay, you've got a million dollar idea. Whether you pay me a five thousand dollars for the day or two hundred fifty, you know, twenty five hundred dollars for the morning, you still got your million dollar idea. It doesn't make a difference to me. My time. I'm go back to work now. Yeah. They go. Oh, it's brilliant. So over the next three years, they gave me over seventy thousand dollars worth of business. So, you know, I think that's it's anecdotal, of course, mm-hmm. and that those are nice numbers. But it, it was really about just being honest with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that. Is that an underrated quality, do you think, then? 
agency I, side? I think putting a customer first is on everyone's lips when they, it's being sold. Mm -hmm. And I think it is not on uh, every internal balance sheet uh, as, it, as it goes. And I'm not knocking every agency. There are some fantastic agencies out there that really mm -hmm. do live and breathe the customer first mentality. But I think certainly some of the larger ones, uh, you, know, it, you know, some of the ones in, within holding companies, that they're all about what, what can we build and how can we build more? And we're not going to pull back. Yeah. Okay. So um, switching things up a bit, have you got any absolute disaster stories that you can share with us where things have gone really badly and... I'm I'm thinking like the kind of experiences where you look back on them now and you think like that that was like a real turning point in in my thinking. So something where maybe people haven't got um, what what you're offering or what SEOs um, about that that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I, I I think in my agency days there was no real horror stories. There, there were things like not getting implemented, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there's, you know, Red, Red Bull's an interesting company. Mm -hmm. um, the U.S. company side is relatively autonomous, but still answers to Austria. Right. So okay. what I mean by that is not really autonomous at all. Mm. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's really tough to, to find a disaster. I think there's a lot of hiccups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with Red Bull, a typical hiccup was uh, passionate exports people who will not write for how people are searching. Mm -hmm. They will write for a technical loop-de-loop-de flippy thing mm -hmm. when people are searching for skateboard tricks, you know? And uh, I, I think there's, there's that, but I wish I had a disaster story to share with you, Sam. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of grasping for them. Here. There's <laughs> that, a lot of that's things. That's absolutely where... fine. You can also tell us about the flip side of that and the um, the success story of your your, your dream SEO team. Uh, well, uh, you know what? Let, let me tell you a fail. I, I, it's not the first time I've told this story. So hopefully, I won't bore some people. Yeah. So one of our clients was Napster. Mm -hmm. Napster for those young people, was a music sharing service that was basically uh, <clears throat> illegal music sharing mostly. They, they, they went legit. Um, and so they had a really nice office in uh, uh, Beverly Hills, California. And so iTunes came out with an online database of genres. Mm -hmm. um, so this has to be 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I came into Napster and I said, hey, guys, you have to build out genres. You have all the music. You have all the genres. You have the artists. You have all the agreements. Yeah, iTunes has it, but they're mainly an app. They've just put this online for search purposes so they can be found online. But it's really basic. Mm -hmm. and, and they looked at it and they said, well, oh, that seems like an awful lot of work. <laughs> well, they, I can't they were lot. probably busy getting sued by Metallica at that point, weren't they? Maybe, that was maybe Napster, any number of people, yeah. <laughs> And so, so I basically went home and, and scraped iTunes, um, ended up with about 60 pages that led to broken links because it was all oh, internal yeah. linking wow. and pasted that up online. Mm -hmm. um, three years later, um, I was looking at my server stats and I saw I was getting some traffic to uh, my music genre site. <laughs> right. Um, so at its heyday, it was driving about 150,000 clicks a month. Oh, wow. That's pretty decent. Yeah. Now it's down to about 60. Right. But, uh, you know, what, what I did is I put it out there for people to send me new genres and I build it out a little, put a little bit of time into it, put it into WordPress and, uh, uh, managed to acquire a lot of links from, uh, universities and EDUs and, and other schools and things as a definitive list of music genres. So uh, the moral of that story is there is often some really simple ways to win big 
and you know you, you do have to respect your customer but as i said in my presentation sometimes customers are idiots that still that still, <laughs> still doesn't respect them though yeah you still got to respect that's exactly right yeah you know? um you can't fire them um mm-hmm. you know napster unfortunately went out of business but uh, you can't fire them <laughs> but they probably went out of business because they didn't build out list of music genres until too late uh anyway the, long story short is you know if you're a savvy seo you, you can get most things to, to rank okay. Um, I think where most SEOs miss out, myself included, is how do you monetize that effectively? That's where the affiliate guys really, really win out big. And, you know, that's the other thing you can always learn. I know we've gone off topic a little bit there, but, you know, as a, sure. as a success story, you can always learn from the affiliate guys. And I, I met some really smart affiliate guys who, you know, who basically have taught me how to monetize sites better. Mm-hmm. That's a missing piece, often. Right. Okay. Um, with this, with this music genre site, did you send that over to Napster when it was started receiving traffic, being like, "Hey, look, guys, told you so." No, because no. that that's <laughs> rubbing poop in their face, isn't yeah. it? Really. I mean, no. The the fact of the matter is, I built it on my own time. Mm-hmm. I built it uh, on my own domain, on my own server. Uh, more of a proof of concept for me. I mean, I use it for algo updates because I know some of the content is thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it to, to look at when there are changes. Uh, you know, I, I scraped additional content. I see if those pages do well or not. I've got some unique content. I see if those pages do not well or not. I think the key thing there is when you get a site with traffic, you can use it for learnings as well. And that's what I do with that mm-hmm. site. Would you say that's an important thing for, for SEOs particularly to do is like build out their own site? I've heard quite a few people recommend that. It's something that um, I've done before with a um, hangover recovery site, which um, it it didn't it didn't make a, a lot of money in affiliate sales, but it was a, it was a fun project that I worked on for a while. Um, but yeah, is that is that something that you'd recommend? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's good. Well, some of the some of the smartest guys like Glenn Gabe and, and folks like that, they have a stable of sites that they can look at, mm-hmm. and so they can see the bigger picture. Working in an agency and having eighty sites. It's brilliant because you can see movements and trends and everything else from that kind of you know, large traffic sites. Much harder when you're either solo, you know, freelancer, or you're working at one single brand. You, you really got to have that outside knowledge of seeing what else is happening apart from just the the myopic view of, of who you're working for or your yeah. site. Um, I think it's really important, and that's why conferences are important as well to see other learnings and get some understanding of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there any advice that you've got for um, SEOs looking to work better with developers over over the, the course of your experience? Sure. Um, respect them. They, as well as customers. Just respect, yeah, you know respect, respect everyone. Them. Yeah, I hear Aretha Franklin in the background. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it comes down to this. They are uh, no one is trying to stop SEO working uh, as as it should do. And by SEO, I mean you know, the SEO department or the tactics and strategy. But everyone in most companies is being pulled in, in multiple directions and SEO has to be prioritized amongst every other project. So I think you have to understand that the, the developers, they're smart, they're savvy. They normally have something that they're tasked to do and SEO is generally a weight around their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so definitely it's challenging, but you've got to respect them that they're smart guys and gals. And it really comes down to what can you help them with, help them better understand so that you can actually work together on projects as opposed to being, uh, I, I gave a really good example. I presented to the developers here. I basically mm-hmm. pulled together a presentation about what is SEO and why is it important? Because yeah. most developers smart, but just understand it's a pain more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So I used the Star Wars theme. Yeah. And I said, this is how we think of ourselves as SEOs. And I basically had, you know, Luke Skywalker and, and Han Solo. And I said, and this is what developers think of us. And it was Jar Jar Binks. Because mm. um, that, that's what they think, <laughs> you know. Um, we're always complaining about something, uh, generally in unintelligible linguistics, you know. Mm. And so I think you've got to bridge that that language barrier, uh, you know, figurative language barrier, and say, why is this good? I mean, site speed 
I think, was the massive gel that brought SEOs and developers together. Definitely. Because everyone yeah. understood that making a site faster was, was much better for everyone. Um, I think where it fell down is developers wanted to know how fast to make it, and SEOs would say as fast as you can. Yep. Um, yeah. Or whatever, whatever Google's recommending these days. Uh, that seems um, to change. Yeah, as fast as you can. <laughs> Generally, so I, I think that, that there's there's mutual respect. Um, you build it. We, we did a lot of internal education to help that. Um, we decided to roll the uh, SEO into product and development to to keep it tighter, so that there could be more of an internal voice at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, definitely working with developers. It's about being there at the um, the nascence of of a project, not at the end of a project. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing about making sure SEO is integrated into the product ideation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really key to how we've succeeded, well, how we successfully pushed more out that has an SEO flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So with the the presentation that you gave to the developers, has that, has that been helpful? Was that kind of well received? It was very, very well received. It was... Um, much more received, uh, better received uh, after the fact. Um, not as many people turned up to the presentation, but a lot of people watched the presentation. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I think that, that that is the key is, um, you know, d- developers, um, SEOs, you know, we're, we're not always, and brand, we're not always on the same side of the fence as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, brand has the designers that, that want everything to be, full-page images that are 10 megabytes. You know, developers want to make sure it's presented uh, in a way, I was saying, from a speed standpoint. And SEOs just want to make sure there's, you know, all tags, um, it's responsive. We want to make sure it's, you know, uh, a great experience. And I think three can come together, but it's it's tough to communicate that in just a presentation. It really has to be on a day-to-day level where there is that daily integration um, of thoughts, ideas, and, and that respect. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, so I'd, I'd like to to kind of move on and so, start wrapping things up here. But I, in my research of, of you, Grant, I found linked from your Twitter bio, you've got um, a website called grantisms.com, um, which has a load of different quotes that, that you've given and it looks like the last one was like about a year ago now. But is this is this something that's going to come back? So I, I was expecting it to be a load of like joke quotes, but some of them are like genuinely inspirational. Um, what what was the yeah. idea behind behind that? It's a, a really good point. And yes, I don't update it though. I, I did for a long time. Uh, did a grantism every day. Um, so let, let me put it this way. I am a sarcastic SOB occasionally, um, but I do like to think deeply most of the time. Right. Um, right. Have, and, so, sorry, are, the, are these genuine or I, have, have I been reading these genuinely and actually you're, you're laughing as you're writing them, you're taking the piss? No, no, oh, no, no, no. Can we say taking the piss? Yeah. Can we say? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's allowed. Not, yeah. I'm not taking the piss. Right. right? Okay. No, Good. it's actually genuinely deep. Um, what I found about five, six years ago, um, I was finishing up my agency days and moving into homes.com. Uh, th- there was a lot of people that were asking me about that transition and how it's affecting me. And a lot of the younger people from the agency were kind of like, you know, the old guys are moving out. What's up? What's happening? I actually started writing some grantisms, but from that standpoint, mm-hmm. I was always writing stuff, but. I started writing those, and uh, uh, people liked them. So uh, I actually, rather than just keep them to myself, these deep thoughts that occur to me mostly in the shower or late at night, yep. I figured I'd write them down. Yep. <clears throat> so so that, that was it. No, they're actually heartfelt, uh, honest. Um, uh, 99% of them are serious. Um, 10% of them are not as serious, and... Six percent of them uh, deal with facts and numbers that don't add up. Mm-hmm. That okay. was a joke, by the way. 
99. I'm sorry, I, I was like, I'm I'm in the middle of like reading through them at the moment. <laughs> I, I found one. If if Monday was an emotion, I'm feeling Monday-ish right now, which is something. Yeah, I'm. I felt that today up until speaking to you, obviously. But yeah, we're Ow. recording this on a Monday, and yeah, so um, it's been one of it's been a Monday-ish day. Monday-ish day sure. indeed. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm I'm telling you that uh, if anyone does get a chance to read through them and find any favourites, please. Please share them with me because I, I need to be inspired to write some more. Uh, thank you for finding that, by the way. That's okay. Uh, I'm I'm of- like my my skills in in stalking and uh, research no 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 bounds. So yeah, um, there's a ton of stuff here that yeah I won't I won't go into Grant. So you you've you've come off lightly in this. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, there isn't really. Um, but. <laughs> Okay, so I'd like to wrap this up by giving you the opportunity um, to have two shameless plugs where you can promote anything you want um, with one of them. And secondly, something that you'd recommend that makes your working life easier. And now it doesn't have to be something like uh, a, a tool or, or something that you use, but maybe like, I don't know, some some a gadget or, or something that... Or someone that that makes your your life easier in some way. You kind of made that. You kind of made that way too easy. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm lucky enough. I have a couple of kids in Los Angeles that are freaking awesome. Um, yeah. I just want to say I love them very much. Don't get to see them very much, but I love them very much. Um, my wife, who is unbelievable at supporting the crazy endeavours and interests that I have, which is great. Um, Zapier. That allows me. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we switch things up quite quickly there. Of course, of course. I, Kids, I think wife, like, Zapier. Yeah, I mean, it is really good Zapier. I, yeah, Zapier <laughs> can understand. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, Zapier is awesome. It, it's the big connector. You see, Sam. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Zapier's great. Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, Zapier's been great for for chugging together stuff that no one thought could be chugged together. Um, and making some of the workflows work really well. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm a big Mac guy. I, I have to say that I've been empowered ever since I've got uh, my Mac, my iPhone, and everything else connected uh, with my iPad. And Sidecar is awesome. Um, yeah, I've heard a, I've heard a bit about this. I'm, you see, I'm kind of I've got feet in both camps. So I've got like an Android phone, but then I've got a Mac and AirPods. And so I'm like, they're, they're like slowly sucking me into the, the Apple ecosystem. I'm like, I'm being slowly converted. Basically you tell yourself things you don't understand. Is that right? Yeah. Great. Well, uh, no, that's okay. (laughs) You're allowed that kind of dichotomy of, of devices, but I think the Apple ecosystem and people can knock Apple or everywhere, but um, the ability for a road warrior to have a MacBook Air mm-hmm. and uh, an iPad and have two screens on the road is is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it's got some work to do still a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was really good to play around with that. Uh, PubCon was great, much easier to do some work on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. A- apart from that, I really and this this is a a shill of a of a thing to say. Homes.com has been really good to me. Um, they're, they're good people. Nice folks. Um, moving to the other side of the country, Virginia is not exactly Los Angeles, as you can imagine. Zero culture shock. Um, <laughs> it's been a great experience. Five and a half years of my life. That's more than most people get a chance to enjoy themselves, and I'm still enjoying myself. So there you go. Oh. That was a great okay. shell for the company, well, huh? Unfortunately, you've already had your two shameless plugs, so we're going to have to edit that last <laughs> one out. <laughs> yeah, no, we're so we're- tough. <laughs> Android board. Uh, we we might we might we might keep it in there. We'll we'll see. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, thanks a lot for for the past uh, however long we've been speaking. It's it's been really it's been really great, Grant. Um, thanks for for sharing all of your insights. Really appreciated it, and I'm sure our listeners will too. So um, thank you very much. Massive thank you to Grant for being such a superb guest. If you'd like to hear more from him, you can find him on Twitter at SimoNet. If you'd like to hear more from me, I'm at Sam on Twitter. And if you'd like to share our humble podcast with the world, 
and make sure that you add the hashtag open underscore dialogue. Before you go, I would like to let you know that this podcast has been made possible by my employer, DeepCrawl. If you're interested in improving the technical health and organic performance of the websites that you manage with an enterprise-level web crawler, then head on over to deepcrawl.com and have a look at how we can help. You can even take advantage of our two-week free trial. I'd also like to give a shout-out to BMO Studios, based in Hackney Central, who make open dialogue sound as good as it does. You'll also be able to find a written recap of this podcast over on the DeepCrawl blog by visiting deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast, where you can also sign up to our mailing list and be notified when we release new episodes on a bi-weekly basis. Thank you again for listening to Open Dialogue, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.